From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. If the Liberal Party's announcement that it would oppose the voice to Parliament was meant to take attention away from fractures in the Liberal Party, the result has been very different. This week, the party's spokesperson on Indigenous Australians resigned his post, and the party's most high-profile Indigenous figure tore up his party membership. So how did it come to this? And have these splits torpedoed Peter Dutton's case just as he's begun to make it? Today, columnist for the Saturday paper, Paul Bongiorno, on the consequences of saying no for the Liberal Party. It's Friday, April 14. First two breaking news and the Shadow Minister for Indigenous Australians, Julian Lisa, has just quit the front bench. Shadow Attorney General Julian Lisa has just announced he's quit the opposition front bench. Julian Lisa has resigned from the party's front bench and the Indigenous Australians portfolio so he can campaign to support the voice to parliament. So, Paul, this week the Coalition's Shadow Minister for Indigenous Australians, Julian Lisa, quit the front bench and That decision was made in direct response to the Liberal Party's position against the voice to parliament. And Lisa says that he's staying on in the Liberal Party. He'll be on the backbench where he'll campaign for what is essentially the opposite of the party line. So a yes vote. Tell me what we know about how he came to his decision. Yes, well, Julian Lisa is without a doubt a conservative Liberal but he's also a conservative liberal with a very keen sense of social justice. He's also a lawyer with a keen interest in constitutional law. By the way, his history with the Liberal Party goes all the way back to when he was a staffer for Bronwyn Bishop, one of the most conservative of the conservative liberals. So that's his pedigree as a conservative liberal. However, he's also been very closely aligned with the whole issue of constitutional recognition for First Nations people. Now, he told us on Tuesday that he's been having long conversations with his uh, colleagues, uh, particularly in the Liberal Party, but also in the National Party, about his view and why he holds them, but he failed to convince them. But more to the point, he's been having very long conversations with Peter Dutton. Even in December, he had a quite a big heart-to-heart, thought he was getting somewhere, but he was getting the message that maybe, even though he claims Dutton had an open mind, that mind hadn't reached any conclusions. That all fell in a huge heap, I've got to tell you, Ruby, on the Monday before Peter Dutton called a crisis party room meeting to respond to the wipeout in the Aston by-election. It was then that Julian Lisa realised that Dutton was going to reject his position for a constitutional voice to the parliament. And he told Dutton that he had no choice but to quit the front bench. Now, we're told that Dutton said, look, you've got the Passover Easter break, go away and think about it, and you can come to a decision after the holidays. And that's exactly what happened. Lisa basically is absolutely crestfallen that he failed to bring the majority of his party room with him. But he feels so deeply about this, he is so convinced that this is the right thing to do, that he said he had no choice but to do it. 
Mm. And when Julian Lisa resigned, he didn't just announce that he was leaving the front bench. He really made a case for the voice that sounded very different to the no case that Peter Dutton had just made a few days earlier. So what do Lisa's statements on the voice mean for that campaign that Dutton has been trying to mount? While Julian Lisa praises Peter Dutton, he is determined to take head on Dutton's arguments against the voice. In other words, he's going to undermine the leader. With the referendum due later this year, I believe the time for the voice has come. I believe in local and regional voices. I believe in a national voice drawn from local and regional bodies. And I will support the referendum being put this year. Dutton, for example, has been keen to claim the voice won't help people on the ground, particularly in remote communities. Well, Lisa said... And I'm quoting, I believe that by empowering people and building institutions that shift responsibility and decision-making closer to people... We're more likely to shift the dial on Indigenous health, education, housing, safety and economic advancement. Now, Dutton's been trying to brand the voice as divisive, but of course in doing so, he's the one that is the major vehicle for division in the Australian community, in my view. The voice is not about special privileges. It is about recognising that Indigenous Australians are our brothers and sisters and we have left them behind in our shared national project. So, Ruby, already Lisa has poked huge holes in Peter Dutton's fear campaign and he intends to keep doing it. Uh, It's interesting, in an interview he gave on RN after his resignation, he said he wanted to say to his children that it's important in politics to be able to stand for something even when it costs you. So, Paul, what effect does all of this have on the Liberals' capacity to move forward presenting themselves as a viable opposition party? It's clearly damaging to their ability to present a unified front with shared values and policies, but how damaging is that for them? There is no doubt that Dutton does lead a party that is divided. And when I say party, I don't only mean the parliamentary party, I mean the broader Liberal Party and many of its high-profile former members. But we do know that um, Senator Andrew Bragg, who's a backbench senator from New South Wales, he intends to set up a Liberals for the Voice, or actually he's calling it Liberals for Yes. I think Julian has been very constructive. I mean, anyone who watched that press club address yesterday would say that was a constructive proposition. I mean, he put forward the primacy and the importance of local and regional voices. Now, Bragg set up uh, Liberals for Marriage Equality, and uh, he uh, was very successful in that campaign. I've got to say to you, there is one difference, of course. Liberals for Marriage Equality had the backing of the then Prime Minister Turnbull. I believe about the benefit of new institutions to support Indigenous people in our country to make community-level decisions about service delivery, but also to talk to government to get better outcomes. I mean, I think Just as problematic for the Liberal Party is the fact that Lisa quitting the front bench does put pressure on other high-profile supporters of the yes, like, for example, the leader of the opposition in the Senate, Simon Birmingham. Now, Birmingham went on Sky Television this week and uh, he said that he would not be campaigning for the no. Julian has a long and deep history on this issue and I have nothing but respect for Julian and the highest of regard for uh, the knowledge and thought that he brings to uh, to the debate of this issue. And I will continue to listen very carefully to what he has to say and to how he... And he even expressed uh, the hope that maybe there's still time for Peter Dutton and the Liberals to get on board. Um, 
I'm hoping that there is still room for some type of consensus to be salvaged out of this situation. I've said for a long time that I don't wish to see an unsuccessful referendum put forward to the Australian people. From the government side, there is some relief that someone as high profile as Lisa has quit the front bench to join the Yes campaign. One of Linda Burney's senior advisers told me that, in a sense, that this establishes a permission structure for Liberal voters to vote Yes. But on the other hand, when the Liberal leader does come out so strongly for the No campaign, it makes others who want to campaign for Yes hesitant. And it also makes, you know, rusted-on Liberals think twice and perhaps take the advice of their leader. Even so, Andrew Bragg says that he's pretty confident he can get the 25 to 30% of Liberal voters needed for The Voice to succeed to vote yes. So look, it's a mess, it's highly contested, but those pushing for the yes case are still confident that it can win through. We'll be back in a moment. For long-time editor Winnie Dunn, there were a few rules she followed when writing her debut novel. I really don't subscribe to writing for the sake of, you know, trauma dumping or getting your trauma out. That's what a therapist is for, please. <laughs> please go see a therapist. We're very pro-therapy on yeah, this. If, yeah, that's, no, if that's what you're using writing for. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's very therapeutic episode of Read This, I chat with Winnie Dunn. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, the Saturday paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive the Saturday paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. Paul, Julie and Lisa isn't the only Liberal politician to speak out against Peter Dutton's arguments against The Voice this week. We also saw former Indigenous Affairs Minister Ken Wyatt actually tear up his membership of the party over this. So can you tell me a bit about Wyatt's place in in Liberal Party history and, and just how big this decision would have been for him? Well, Ken Wyatt is a long-term member of the Liberal Party. He was the first Indigenous person to be elected to the House of Representatives and Morrison made him the first Indigenous person to be the Cabinet Minister for Indigenous Australians. Ken Wyatt progressed the uh, whole issue of voice to the Parliament. He twice took to uh, the Morrison Cabinet a proposal to establish uh, regional and local voices And both times the Morrison cabinet ignored him, which of course throws some light on claims that uh, Dutton and the Liberals are serious about these local and regional voices. They're in power for 10 years. In the last term of those 10 years, they had the opportunity uh, and they didn't take it. And I think that experience just convinced Ken Wyatt that he'd had enough on this issue that he had been, if not betrayed, he'd certainly been disrespected. It became a position where I didn't even tell my wife, I just sent the message off to the Liberal Party saying that I forthwith resign uh, my membership because I uh, wanted to fight for the voice. 
And he, like Lisa, sees this as the moment to address a historic injustice and to empower First Nations people to overcome many of the issues and challenges confronting them. On 7.30, he criticised Dutton for calling it a Canberra voice. It's not a Canberra voice. It is not elite. It is people from the grassroots and on all three... He told 7.30 that he now is convinced that Dutton was never contemplating supporting this referendum or a yes vote. You've got to weigh this up against a section of our community who live with gaps in their lives that are so substantial that even after the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Cassie, those gaps have never closed. Yeah, it seems like Wyatt suspects that there is some political opportunism behind Peter Dutton's decision last week. So what do you think that he suspects of Dutton's motivations? Are we starting to learn more about what Dutton is hoping to achieve with this decision to oppose The Voice? Look, it's crystal clear, Ruby, that there's a template here and the template is the way to political success is, if you like, to pick a fight to divide and conquer Uh, This is the template successfully used, for example, by Tony Abbott. And I do think, uh, as I said earlier, that what really motivated Dutton to call that crisis meeting immediately after Aston was to pick a fight, was to change the subject, was to have the media and the agenda away from the woes of the Liberal Party and onto a major issue that people would talk about and that would look to Dutton and what he's saying apart from what problems he's got uh, in his own party. It will cost billions and billions of dollars. It will require literally thousands of public servants. And is that what Australians have in mind? I don't think they do. I think Dutton has been very quick to respond to this criticism by being even more strident. At a superficial level, people understand that we need a better outcome for Indigenous Australians. We all have that in our hearts. But we believe we've got a better pathway to get there that doesn't disrupt the future of our country. I think there's another edge to all of this too, Ruby, and that is that uh, Dutton knows he'll be facing another by-election before the end of the year. Uh, The word is that uh, Scott Morrison will quit his Sydney seat of Cook uh, after the budget. And um, you have to factor this into Peter Dutton's thinking. The last thing he would need is another traditional Liberal seat falling either to an independent or to the Labor government. Now, Morrison is reported as uh, telling people that he'll wait till after the May budget. Um, That's because Jim Chalmers hasn't got much choice but to bring down an austerity budget. Now, while Chalmers says he'll be doing something to relieve cost of living pressures, any austerity means that he's going to have to cut something and he will create losers. And Scott Morrison and the Liberals believe that will make it easier for them to hold on to Cook. And, Paul, if the no case does succeed, there are moderates within the Liberal Party who might never forgive Dutton for his role in that. But if it fails and and if Dutton's arguments are ultimately rejected by Australians when they go to vote, that would no doubt be damaging for his credibility as leader of the party. So to what extent do you think this decision that Dutton has made on The Voice will define his political future? Well, it will define it in every which way possible. 
and it is a measure of his desperation that he has hitched his future leadership, his future ability to be an alternative Prime Minister, to win another election, to bringing down the referendum. But if you have a look at it in another way, this is a lose-lose position for Dutton. Even the most fervent no-campaigners accept that the yes vote will win the popular vote. That is, a majority of Australians, mostly coming out of our bigger cities, will vote yes. The big hope is that they can get a narrow no vote in three states because you have to have a majority of voters in a majority of the states. Well, it was revealed this week by Indigenous Australians Minister Linda Burney that um, there would be a multi-million dollar education campaign, just spelling out what a referendum is, how it works and why. Also, we know that uh, the Australian Electoral Commission will be very active trying to correct uh, misinformation over and against that. If they manage to bring down the referendum, you will have Peter Dutton as the wrecker and that will be the view of a majority of voters when they next go to the election. And you should also remember that the Teal Independents, who uh, won a whole swathe of hitherto safe Liberal seats, well, the Teal Independents are going for broke for the Yes campaign to get up. And now, of course, if the Yes does get up in a majority of states with a majority of the voters, then there is no doubt that Peter Dutton will be, to put it very crudely, a dead political carcass. Paul, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Ruby. Bye. Sydney Dance Company explodes on stage with Momenta. This world premiere by acclaimed choreographer Raphael Bonicella is unmissable contemporary dance. Strictly limited season from the 28th of May to the 8th of June. Book now at sydneydancecompany.com. Also in the news today, whistleblower David McBride will finally stand trial nearly five years after being charged with leaking alleged war crimes. The former military lawyer is accused of leaking classified information containing allegations of unlawful killings committed by Australian military forces in Afghanistan. McBride has pleaded not guilty to five charges. And as of Melbourne Cup Day, Victoria will no longer recognise public drunkenness as a crime. The decision follows the coronial inquest into the death of Yorta Yorta woman Tanya Day, who died in a police station after being arrested for public drunkenness. The coroner found her death was preventable. 7am is a daily show from The Monthly and The Saturday Paper. It's produced by Cara Jensen-McKinnon, Zoltan Fetcho, Shane Anderson and James Milsom. Our technical producer is Atticus Basto, our editor is Scott Mitchell, Sarah McVie is our head of audio and Eric Jensen is our editor-in-chief. Mixing this week by Laura Hancock, Andy Elston and Atticus Basto. Our theme music is by Ned Beckley and Josh Hogan of Envelope Audio. I'm Ruby Jones. See you next week.